This is SBR, the People's Pod, giving you unfiltered and unqualified content every single week. I'm Cliff. He's Joe. Welcome back, everyone. What's up, everybody? Welcome back, all. Welcome back from Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people have yet to catch up to the pod, so if you haven't caught up yet, listen to NBA Avengers, Age of Brogdonatron. <laughs> Part two. Age of Bogdanatron. <laughs> you don't know. You got to discover the secret of Bogdanatron. You'll find out. You'll fi- you'll find out in that episode why it's called Age of Bogdanatron. It was a good one. We <laughs> laughed most of the episode. Uh, some notable ones. Who are some notable ones, Joe? Though we did. Um, I still like the Atman crew. I don't even know their names. <laughs> what are their names? <laughs> Luis. You got T.I.? <laughs> Dave's T.I., Luis, and who's the third guy? <laughs> What's his I, name? I don't know. And the Maybe third guy. Or something. <laughs> as Tatum Brown and Marcus Smart, <laughs> the backups, <laughs> the backup crew. I mean, they're the starters, but they're the, like, side characters for the Atman franchise. I really like that one, Cliff. Still love our Black Panther, Okoye, and uh, Baku. <laughs> Trio. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> really good. So go back, check that out. This week, we're going to talk about Christmas movies to watch. We're going to talk about the new James Bond trailer that just dropped. We're going to talk about Lakers, Patriots. We tried the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. We're going to break <laughs> that down for you guys. But we got to start bringing back an old segment. We haven't done this since episode nine, Joe. Oh, the wow. Jack Bauer panic meter. Oh, Insert, long, insert clock countdown. <laughs> We're gonna listen to Joe's version of it. <laughs> Previously on. <laughs> Man, can't do it, Cliff. Can't do it. No copyrights. The fun, the fun, yeah, we. We're not doing that anymore. Off. We're not doing that anymore. So, so low budget. We're going to still do it. Even if we get high budget, we're going to add these low budget clips. <laughs> just makes us Come authentic. Guys, that man. was pretty good. Play what I just did along with the actual 24 days. <laughs> it's going to be pretty close. Guys. It's, it's the same be... key and everything. It's going to sound the gonna same. It's going to be the same tempo. It's going to be pretty close. <laughs> okay. If you haven't seen 24, in a nutshell, all nine seasons wrapped up in this sentence. It's a show about Kiefer Sutherland, who's been playing by who's played by Jack Bauer, <laughs> saving America from terrorists by torturing and intimidating them in an increasingly ridiculous fashion. That's it. That's it. That's the show, and it's about as entertaining as TV as you can possibly get. Yes, it's awesome. So we're gonna go threat level one through five. We always do this or that, one or two, but today we're going one through five. To describe it in Jack Bauer terms, one is Jack Bauer says, you're going to tell me everything I want to know. Threat level two, don't you even pretend like you're not a part of this. Threat level three, a chest punch. A chest punch. <laughs> Threat level four, who are you working for? Chest punch. Who are you working for? Chest punch. Who are you working for? Yeah, you got to get and- that gravel in there. Yeah. That's so hard. <laughs> that's what, that's when you know he's serious. You gotta get that in there. He's really intense. And last, the final and biggest threat to the safety of America, when he counts down five, four, three, two, one. Give me a name. <laughs> <laughs> it's and like how you just... scold. 
scold a child. He's about to do something. He's about to torture a family member. <laughs> He's about to murder someone. Knife in an eye, you know. Yeah, knife in the knife to the eye. Yes, yes. And then he always ends every torture scene. If if I wanted to kill you, you'd already be dead. <laughs> <laughs> no matter the threat level. <laughs> so, how worried should dot 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 first one the Lakers be after losing to Luca and the Mavs? Is it time to start panicking, Joe? What is the threat level, Joe? Oh come on, come on, one one Jack Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go. I'd go zero. Jack Bowers, if if there could be. Uh, look, the Lakers are playing well. Still have one of the top rated defenses, even though they've been slipping a little bit on that end. Um, Luca's crazy, and the thing is, Luca's young, so he's the he's in the stage of his career where he can get up for a regular season game and just go crazy. Mm. You know, like he could just ball out. When you're young, that's what you do, right? Like you think about the other superstars that you're playing against. If he's playing against Giannis, if he's playing against LeBron, if he's playing against Harden, like he can get up for that kind of game and want to dominate that game to, you know, it's a, it's a national TV game or something. You know, it's a it's a Sunday night, game, like whatever, right? Like he'll get up for that. LeBron's old. He doesn't care. right? He has nothing to prove to Luka. <laughs> Like, if they're losing at a certain point, you're just going to be like, all right, whatever, guys. We'll just take this L. It's not a big deal. We're 17-3, and three, you know, like, just coming off a 10-game win streak. They're not worried. I give this one Jack Bauer. I also give this one Jack Bauer. But Luka, the step back on LeBron to ice the comeback. Woo! That was nasty. Woo! Nasty. After the game, AD said the goal is for the Lakers to never lose two in a row during the season. Even though the 72 and 10 Bulls once lost two games in a row. Yeah. Hey, it's a good goal. Um, 80's numbers are starting to tick back up, but he's still shooting under 48%. Oh, no. It's not coming back. It's, 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 just, it's just the law of LeBron. you got to just live with it. People are starting to blame Kuzma a little bit uh, for his lack of production. He's 8-2-1 in the past 14 games, 41% from the field, 69% from the line. Joe, Don't, is Kuzma to blame? Are you kidding me? Are you people kidding me? Who's blaming Kuzma right now? <laughs> Kuzma barely sees the ball. He's barely in the game. Oh my gosh. I'd love to see his usage. It's gotta be it's gotta be like single digits. Like this guy is barely playing right now. And and Caps BFF, freaking Sharon Carter over here, KCP. <laughs> Getting if you haven't alone. seen Age of Bogdanatron, go back and listen. So all these references make sense. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. No, that's ridiculous. Nobody should say anything to Kuzma. Uh, guys, come on. Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Brandon Ingram. Everybody leaves LeBron, and their their productivity goes crazy. Now they don't necessarily win more, but their numbers for sure. Okay, Kuzma can't live in this system. He's he's. He ha- he's turning into a Danny Green. Like, what else can he do? He barely gets a chance to create any offense with LeBron, let alone, you know, just let alone just LeBron. LeBron and AD, I mean, there's just, there's, there are not enough basketballs to go around. Do not blame Kuzma. To put it into context, Kuzma is averaging 22 minutes a game. That is sixth on the Lakers roster. Sixth. First is LeBron at 35 minutes per game. Second is AD 
at 35 minutes per game. Great. That makes sense. They're the stars of the team. You would think the third best player should average 30 minutes a game. No. <sighs> no other Laker averages 30 minutes a game. You might be thinking, that's weird. We have Danny Green. Here's how it breaks down. LeBron at 35. AD at 35. Avery Bradley is oh. number three at 27 minutes per game. I get it. He's starting. Okay. But Danny Green is not averaging more minutes than Avery Bradley at number four. He's averaging 25 minutes per game. And at number five with 23 minutes per game, <laughs> Contavious Caldwell Pope, Sharon Carter. Of course. Of co Guys, I was just shaking my head that whole time. Silently. <laughs> KCP is averaging the fifth most minutes on the Lakers right now. Joe, is he even the fifth best player on the team? Maybe is, is, he the tenth, is he even the tenth best player on the Lakers? Is he the fifth best player? That's such a ridiculous question. <laughs> it, fit, fit. <laughs> the question should be, is KCB, would KCP be the tenth best player on any NBA roster? That should be the question. <laughs> like, uh, this is this is the thing about the law of LeBron. You have this one, you know, you have this one piece, and it's almost like you're designing a puzzle, you know, like a jigsaw puzzle. Right? Okay. You know, normal jigsaw puzzles, they all have that shape. Mm -hmm. Right? You're either an edge, you know, if you're an edge, then you've got basically five little things, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a middle piece, you've got six things, you know, sticking out, right? Like you've got yep. six little kind of mm -hmm. roundish, you know, mm -hmm. parts, right? Or unless you're a corner, right? And LeBron is like the weirdest shaped jigsaw puzzle ever. <laughs> you know, a puzzle piece. He's just this one middle piece that has like smooth edges. <laughs> It's like there's like 13 limbs on it and they're all like irregularly shaped and it takes up a huge part of the puzzle. So the people who are designing the rest of the puzzle are like, dude, we have to make all these very specifically shaped pieces to fit along with this one gigantic middle piece that takes up all of this space. They're not even uniform sized, right? Like they're all differently shaped, differently sized. You know, some of them are circular. Some of them are like hexagonal. Like they got to be in all these crazy weird shapes to fit that one major puzzle piece that is LeBron James. And unfortunately, Kuzma just didn't have the right shape. And now they just, you know what they do to puzzle pieces that don't have the right shape, Cliff? What? They cut it up. <laughs> It's like, oh, you're not a corner, but you know we're gonna we're gonna shove you into the corner, and we're gonna turn you into a corner piece. We're gonna cut two sides off of you, so that all that remains is like a little bit of the your your, your old limbs plus a corner. <laughs> and that's what's happened to Kuzma. That's where Kuzma's at right now. He should definitely be playing more than twenty-two. He should be playing thirty minutes a game. Thirty. And Caruso, and Caruso should be playing more minutes than KCP for sure. So here, yeah, here's the thing, right? I get that you're preserving LeBron's minutes. I get you're keeping the team fresh. I get that your team is deep. Great. All of that is great. That's you want to have everyone outside of LeBron and AD be in the 20-minute range between 28 to 20. 
great. That's mm-hmm. all good. But Kuzma, your third best player, should be playing the third most minutes. Uh. And KCP, your 10th best player, should be playing the 10th most minutes. It just makes sense. Like, I don't I understand. I would be outraged if Kuzma was even at 30 minutes and KCP, KCP is still playing more minutes than Caruso, Dwight Howard, and JaVale. I'd still which be mad. Is. Which he yeah. is. Which he's playing more than all those guys. And I'd still be like, dude, why? Like, Why is he playing more minutes than those guys? I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. But given all of that, the Lakers only have three losses. They played a soft schedule, but really they have wrecked, raked up a ton of, ton of wins. They've played well. They've played well together. They're showing promise. Can you be panicked? No, you can't no. be panicked. They're number one in the West. Nothing to panic about. All right. How worried should dot, dot, dot Tom Brady and the Patriots be after losing to the Houston Texans? Mm, one Jack Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can I be worried about this? Again, it's kind of a similar thing. It's the regular season. The Patriots came in 10 and 1, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, how what, what do they care about this? Like what do they care about this random game? I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson, of course, he's still got something to prove. He's still a yep. young up and coming guy. He's still yep. one of the quarterbacks trying to jump into that, mm-hmm. you know, conversation right now, especially after he got smoked. By the Ravens, Lamar Jackson just destroyed oh, Houston, and the Houston it. offense was just abysmal. Like, they were terrible. I have DeAndre Hopkins, and he did nothing that game. <laughs> and Deshaun Watson was even worse. Like, he was just, he was, oh my gosh, he was so terrible. And so, yeah, of course, he's got to be motivated. This is a chance to prove yourself. But look, how many times have we seen this with the Patriots? How many times have we seen this with Tom Brady? Like, at this point, you cannot be, you can't still be like, okay. You know, you can't go Max Kellerman and be like, oh, no, the Patriots are in trouble. They're only 10 and 2 now. You know, they're only almost definitely. They're only tied for the best record in the NFL. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, they're for sure at least going to the championship game. I mean, they're probably going to go to the Super Bowl again. It's just you can't be you can't be panicked. You just can't. The Patriots are ten and two, like you just mentioned. They have the least points scored on them in the NFL. The they have least. a crazy defense. Their defense is insane. They they have a hundred and seventy seven point differential, which is second best in the NFL. They talk about how bad their offense is, right? They talk about how bad Tom Brady has been or whatever. They have the fifth most points scored this yeah, season. It's, it's ridiculous. Their, their two losses are against, one, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, mm. who have the most points scored in the league and the best point differential in the league. And they lost to Deshaun Watson, whose team is 8-4, and four, also a very good team. And they played well, given it, given the game. They were up twenty to nine in the fourth quarter. They turned it up. They, you know, but the game ended with them at twenty-eight, and the Patriots at twenty-two because the Patriots made a comeback. Yeah, they did. And they, if if they were one onside kick away from yes. possibly winning that game. Yeah, if there's two more minutes in that game, they win for sure. And let me just tell you something, by the way. Okay, actually, I don't know. Maybe this is a maybe this is a cause for concern, but. 
I played my nephew. Uh, you know, I was babysitting my brother's kids. You know, mm-hmm. on Friday, right? I played my nephew Madden. Mm-hmm. I, didn't tell you, I didn't tell you this story over the weekend. He's old enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like ten. You know, so like we're we're playing Madden, right? He picks he picks the freaking Ravens. Okay. Okay. And I picked the Chiefs. I'm like, oh yeah, Chiefs. They're probably yeah. pretty good, right? Yeah. I scored. What? Uh, it's Madden. And, you know, I haven't played Madden. Mind you, I haven't played Madden in a really long time, right? But I'm like, oh, yeah. I, mean, I could probably win. You know, he's like, he's young. Yeah. And uh, so I haven't played in the past, I don't know, like five five or six Maddens. You know, yeah. so a lot's changed. You know, all the controls are little, But I'm getting the hang of it. I'm like, oh, I got the Chiefs. You know, they're pretty good. I scored like 22 points uh-huh. the first game. He scored 52 points. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he does? He has one play. Which is? Lamar Jackson run. <laughs> That's it. I, like, cannot tackle him. He's, like, all over the field. I'm like, dude, what the heck? Like, I'm running QB spy. Like, why doesn't he, why don't he get him? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I've completely abandoned all coverage. All my guys are just going after him. I can't tackle him. This is every time he just rolls out right and he just scores a touchdown with Lamar Jackson. It's, like, ridiculous. So maybe that is a cause for concern, but I mean the fact that that's the only—that's one of the two losses that the Patriots have. Also, Deshaun Watson is also a good mobile quarterback, right? But given that those are the two losses, maybe that's a cause for concern because maybe that's the one thing that they're not their defense is not very accustomed to handling. Right. I don't know, but I'm still not concerned right now. It's still a one, Jack Bauer. It's yeah. it's one yeah. like. You have the best record in the NFL. You have the best defense in the NFL. If Lamar Jackson comes to town, he's still unproven in the playoffs. You have so much more experience than him. And then on the other side on the NFC, it's a mess. The The Niners, they're untested and they're unproven. Jimmy Garoppolo, you, you can get into his head. You got the Packers who are flawed. You got the Saints. So they're, they're all flawed. They're all, they're flawed. all flawed, right? They're all flawed. The Patriots are still the best team. They might lose, sure. Sure. But there is no guarantees in football. So given the situation, one Jack Bauer. Right. Okay. How worried should dot, 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 the NBA be, the entire NBA be about the Blazers <laughs> after they went 3-0 and and Melo won. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. The <laughs> NBA player of the week. <laughs> wow. Wow. Joe, what is the threat level on the... Oh, wow. Standing ovation by Joe. He, he's actually standing. You can't see it on the pod. I had to. I had to do it. He was, Joe's the only believer. <laughs> bro Thor, man. Nobody <laughs> believes in Bro Thor, but give him a chance. You know, yeah. he's, still, he's still got the lightning. He's still got the lightning coursing through his veins. Um... <laughs> Cliff got some compliments on his uh on his Thor impression. Well deserved. Well deserved, I think. <laughs> what um, am I better? Yeah, was <laughs> definitely better than the the magic that's abandoning you at the moment. Ah, it's hard. It's I haven't heard him in a while. <laughs> um, get in the lap. Get in the lap. Um, how worried should the NBA be? How worried should the, the NBA entire be? NBA? Cliff, come on, man. Give me something I can get behind. Uh, one Jack Power. 
how worried should the NBA be? I mean, it's it's got to be one Jack Bauer. The NBA is not worried at all. Um, <laughs> if it were the opposite question, if it were like a question of how optimistic should the Blazers be, I would go uh, like I'd go five. Wow. Jack Bauer's not optimistic, so it can't be that character. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think they should be pumped. This is about as good. I mean, we were about as optimistic as you could possibly be about Mello with the oh. Blazers, and he has definitely exceeded our expectations, right? Like he's definitely yeah. playing better than either of us thought uh, he would be at this point. I mean, yes. Uh, it was kind of terrible teams that they beat. It's like the Bulls twice. But, um, hey, look, uh, you know, wins are wins. Uh, Mellow's production is Mellow's production. He's, he's playing efficiently. He's, like, hitting threes. I mean, good for him. If this uh, catapults him into playing better, you know, throughout the rest of the – or playing well throughout the season, that's good. So, heck, yeah. I'm going to Jack Bowers on this What? One. But I have to say, I have to say, first of all, how in the world did he win Player of the Week? <laughs> how in the world did he win? Who did he beat, Cliff? Who, who let did me, he beat? Let me, give you a, let me give you a taste test. One player averaged 22-8-3. He went 3-0 and against the Bulls, the Bulls, and the Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> what, is that? what is that combined record? That's like... <laughs> Another player, player B, went 33-8-9 and went 3-1 and one against the Rockets, the Clips, the Suns, the Lakers. Wow. Luka. Luka Doncic. I mean, come on, dude. That's pretty, that's pretty shady, actually. <laughs> like, come on. This is a Lifetime Achievement Award, really. I mean, but hey. <laughs> Welcome back, Melo, from the grave. First player of the week since 2014. Oh, my God. Five years. He has gotten a player of the week. You know what's really sad? You just said this is a lifetime achievement award. Player of the week. (laughs) They had to bust out the lifetime achievement award to give him player of the week. It's like, you know what? Mel's done a lot for this game. Give them like the writers at NBA.com or whoever, whoever even awards these, who even gives out these awards? I have no idea, right? It's probably NBA.com, right? It's like whoever, Seiku Smith, like those guys, is like, hey, uh, it's like, hey, uh, you know, Melo, he's done a lot for the game. He's done a lot for the game. Let's just throw him one of the player of the weeks. <laughs> but, what this- a, but what about Luca? He averaged 33. He beat the Rockets, the Suns, the Lakers. Nah, nah, nah. Mellow's back. Mellow. But here's the reason I'm going to. Because, not because of what he's producing on the court, but what he's producing off the court Mm. in the locker room. Mm. The Blazers are starting to gel. They're starting to come together. Like, I saw Hassan Whiteside put up those 10 blocks, (laughs) which he loves to do. (laughs) He loves that. The Mbaku's all about the blocks. Just... <laughs> Mbaku's all about the blocks. But you know, Okoye wasn't as upset. You know, he's like, okay, okay, I see what you're doing. And that's all Mello. Mello's like, hey, guys, we got to rally behind this guy. We got to get together. And so I think the Blazers are still led by Dame 
and let, still led by CJ. They still got that core. And when with those guys energized and motivated and the band of brothers coming back together and Melo producing even half of what he's producing, that's still a recipe for the Blazers to come back into the playoff hunt. Cliff, I have to ask you something, though. You yeah. just made me think of something. Yeah. Because there is a moment when Thor arrives triumphantly in Wakanda. Mm. You remember that moment? Infinity and he War. comes and he says, bring me Thanos! <laughs> right? And he jumps towards Thanos. Yeah. And he throws, throws Stormbreaker straight to Thanos. Hits him right there, right in the chest. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, Cliff? He says, you should have gone for that. Hey, that was pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so is this Brothor in Endgame? Or is this pre-Brothor, depressed Thor, but pre-Bro in Infinity War? And it's a moment of hope and triumph right before the ultimate demise. Mm. No, this is still Brothor. Right. Because because the snapped people still haven't come back. Mm. And they still get decimated. <laughs> <laughs> so when they make a trade and they get Hassan Whiteside off their team and they bring in someone new, it'll that will be the moment when they say, on your left. Mm. <laughs> he comes back. And mm. they come back full force. All right. Hey, because, he, you know, even with Stormbreaker and Mjolnir in his hands, he still gets Stormbreaker in his own chest. That's true. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> 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 All right. Moving on. How worried should... Dot, dot, dot. Popeyes be after McDonald's decided to enter the fried chicken sandwich war. Joe, if you didn't know, McDonald's on 12-2 is testing in Knoxville and Houston a fried chicken sandwich, potato roll, topped with butter and pickles, a deluxe version with tomatoes, lettuce, and mayo. Joe, how worried should Popeyes be now that McDonald's is coming into the ring? Five Jack Bowers. Whoa! (laughs) Five Jack Bowers. Whoa. This is the nuclear football's loose. <laughs> this is. Oh, man. Goes all the way up to the top. This is. There is. They're not just one. There are, there are three spies in CTU. <laughs> is this like when uh, The Rock and Triple H are beating someone up and then Stone Cold, music, Stone Cold Steve Austin's music hits and they're like, oh, yeah. oh my God, it's Stone Cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Out of nowhere. Yes. The legend is stepping wow. into the ring, is stepping oh, no. into this fight. Oh, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about it, right? Um, and we tried the Popeyes. We tried we did. it. We did. We, try- we tried what it this past thoughts? weekend. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, it was better than I thought it would be. Mm. I-, I think I get the hype a little bit. Oh. Did it exceed the hype, though? So no, I would I would not say it exceeded the hype. I wouldn't really even say it met the hype. Oh. The hype that's garnered, that it's garnered, but what I would say is that I never believed the hype. Mm. So okay. my expectations were low. Okay. Right? So I was ready 
to be like, what? You comparing this to Chick-fil-A? Get out of here with this, right? It just, you know, Cliff and I were having lunch together, right? I was ready to throw that chicken sandwich on the ground, <laughs> kick it through the food court, right? Have people stare at us just so I could make a scene so I could talk about it on SBR today. <laughs> have you record that? Let it go viral. But uh, I didn't because it was pretty good, actually. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty tasty. Had a little kick to it. Um, you know, a little unhealthier version, I would say, of the chicken sandwich. But here's the thing. Here's why Popeye's should be worried. Do you know how many Popeye's locations there are in the no. U.S. and around the world? Let's say 500. There are 2,600. Okay. Which is which is good, right? That's, yeah, a, that's a solid. More than I thought. More than I thought. How many McDonald's do you think there are in just the U.S.? 10,000. Almost 15,000. Wow. So here's the thing. I mean, would I go chase down a Popeye's to get that chicken sandwich? No. And I think most people wouldn't do that. If you're already going to McDonald's, and you're getting your Big Mac, and you're getting your chicken nuggets, and then you're like, hey, let me try this chicken sandwich out. And then you're like, hey, you know, it's not bad. I kind of like it. You're never going to Popeye's ever again. And so that's why Popeye should be worried. I'm giving this three Jack Bowers. Mm. Because I'm not giving it five for this reason. They have a, they have a chicken sandwich. They have multiple chicken sandwiches. <laughs> and they're true. not good. <laughs> they're true. not good. They also try, had a failed attempt at a spicy barbecue chicken sandwich and it mm. sucked didn't work out so i think the chefs need to come back to the drawing board do they have the artillery do they have deep pockets i think of this like the dallas cowboys right they have jerry jones jerry jones is willing to do anything but can he actually make a good product on the field not always you know mm. have they done it before yes you keep looking at the big mac right you keep looking at troy aikman you're like yeah yeah but what has he done lately? You know, <laughs> what has he done lately? He's got Dak and Ezekiel. They haven't beat a team with a winning record this season. You know, it's like. Mm. What I tell you guys? What I tell you guys about Dak? <laughs> nah, dude. Nah, no faith. I don't. I don't know. So I, I give it three Jack Bowers only because of name recognition, but that's just respect. That's just respect. Mm. Last one. How worried should dot 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 Marvel be? about their endgame highest-grossing record with Star Wars Episode Nine coming out in a couple days. I give this one Chloe. <laughs> so not even a Jack Bauer. It hasn't reached that level yet. It's reached the Chloe where she's like, Jack, I think there's a problem. <laughs> there is a 0% chance. Oh, wow. Star Wars Episode Nine is going to beat Endgame. Mm. Yeah. Because you know what? Nobody cares right now. Mm. You know, Star Wars, actually, there's there's like analytics. You could check out what's going on with Star Wars. It's lower now than it was even leading up to The Last Jedi. It's actually significantly lower. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it you know, it, it peaked with The Force Awakens. People were really, obviously, it was coming back after a long hiatus. People were like, oh, what are they going to add to this franchise? Right. Force Awakens just did its job, right? Opened a bunch of mystery boxes. That's J.J. Abrams' thing, right? And so people were curious, uh, kind of 
added to the or you got the nostalgia you got some new mystery right you're like oh cool this is very interesting can go in a lot of directions after the last jedi tanked nobody cares about star wars anymore hot uh whatever solo didn't do well right in theaters at least not compared to what they projected rogue one was like okay right so now and then they split this franchise up into a, a million different pieces and they're you know they're trying to milk it for all the profits and like the core fan base which is what you really need i think there's a lot of there's there is widespread appeal for star wars but there's no like fanaticism like mm. people aren't really like loving it um as much right it's kind of been tarnished i think and so of course it's going to do well i mean they're going to make a billion dollars you know whatever but i don't think it's going to get even really that close to to end game I'm also giving this one Jack Bauer. I guess well, the one thing is people forget that The Force Awakens is fourth on the list of highest grossing ever. So right. they do have large spread appeal, but I think like you're saying, the buildup wasn't there. They didn't go from seven to eight and then the epic nine. No. Because eight fell flat, it doesn't have a chance. The Marvel Universe went from Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. You okay, know, the, and a little the Marvel in- Universe went from Iron Man 1, <laughs> <laughs> right, to all the way to Endgame. And so they have they were going up and up. And, I mean, Black Panther did crazy, right? I mean, Civil War did crazy. Infinity, you know, I mean, they all did. Don't, don't, bring, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Marvel. Can you not bring James Harden? James, into James Harden. <laughs> And that's James Harden. Enjoying us talking about this. And that's James Harden. Like when you use Lamar Jackson and you just run every time. <laughs> that, that's James Harden. Is that skill though? Is that skill? Like what is that? Is that when your ten year old nephew uses Lamar Jackson to run every play? That's James Harden. Dude, I swear, once every 20 plays, though, he would throw it. Oh, and then you're not covering anyone (laughs) deep. (laughs) And I get pissed. I'm like, dude, what the heck? So funny. But episode nine looks amazing. I think lightsabers, crazy different kinds of lightsabers, possible hero turn to the dark side. J.J. Abrams talking about wrapping up all nine movies, the tragic passing of Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. Did you hear the story? Like, uh, Abrams was on, I believe it was Fallon, or maybe it was, or maybe it was Colbert. I think it was Colbert. But uh, in in her like last book, in her memoir, she said she thanked JJ for putting up with her twice. Mm. But The Force Awakens was the first time he worked with her ever. Right. And there was no other time. And he didn't sign on for episode nine before that book was released. So she like knew that they would work together somehow with his, her old footage. She like kind of like predicted it. And I was like, she either remembered that wrong (laughs) (laughs) or this is some kind of like prophetic thing that she's putting together, which is like really gives me the chills, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I literally just got the chills when you said that. And it's just like those kinds of things I love when it kind of closes the loop because the, he said that this movie was supposed to be about her. It was supposed mm, to be right. about Leia's journey to fulfillment. Right. Because, uh, like, you know, last one was kind of Luke's. Um, right. 
So I'm interested to see how it all shapes together. And he was saying that in episode eight, they had a bunch of Leia clips that just didn't make final cut. Right. And then that stuff is going to be used in episode nine because it's kind of, kind of makes sense there. Um, but again, one Jack Bauer, because it can't hit highest grossing. It just won't. Um, but you know, who's not worried about this is Disney <laughs> because they own Marvel. They own Star Wars and they have Disney Plus, and they so. own Avatar. By the way, <laughs> oh, so the all, the three that are competing, they own everything, you know. And then Titanic, Titanic. is the one that they Titanic. don't own, right? Yeah, but I mean, they own everything, man. It's crazy, and so I do think, just you know, to close this part out, just like I do, I'm I'm excited for episode nine. I think it's gonna be really good. I think it's gonna be a lot better than people expect it to be. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm super excited to see it. Uh, all right, that was Jack Bauer Panic Meter. Let us know if you guys feel the same kind of level of panic. We'll be back with some Christmas movies, Joe, that I think you're going to like. We'll be back after this. All right, and we're back, and we're going to talk about Christmas movie traditions. Joe, we're going to play a little game. Joe, you have a kid. You have two kids. and. Mm-hmm. I want you to introduce them to a Christmas movie this year. But which one is the best Christmas movie to introduce? So I have five movies that we're going to talk about. We're gonna, I'm going to give you one, and you can either stick with it or you can trade it for the next movie that I give to you. And we'll see what you end up with at the end. So, Joe, starting with the first Christmas movie we have on the list. This is your, this is your movie you get to show, Just Friends. With Ryan Reynolds. Well, you might be asking, why is it a Christmas movie? Well, Ryan Reynolds is Chris Brander, a high school outcast who reinvents himself as a guy who looks like Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) Becomes obsessed with winning over his best friend and teenage crush while he is home for the holidays. Mm. Great movie, right? Mm. I I feel like we watched this one together. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. What are the iconic scenes that you remember from this movie? Uh, I only remember, I swear. (laughs) That's literally the only thing I remember from this entire movie. And that's some kind of crazy... Actually, I I, I might be confusing it with another movie. So I I, I think (laughs) I swear is the only thing I remember from this movie. What about when Anna Faris sings Forgiveness? Forgiveness... I don't even remember that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Guys, I, I have a feeling this movie is not going to win. <laughs> well, I'll take it right now. <laughs> yeah, of course. You have no other option. <laughs> I'd rather watch it than nothing. Yeah. It captures the you know feeling of being stuck in your hometown and reverting to your former self while you're trying to act cool. But you can somehow – you somehow just turn into your old self. Hmm. It is a great – that is a great message. Yeah, and, and it's during it's you're just stuck in the it's the holidays. It's I feel like it's less Christmas and more just like Christmassy time, the holiday right, time. Right, right, right. You know? It's just around Christmas, but it's not like a Christmas movie. Yeah, it doesn't give you that. Oh, this is what Christmas is all about. Right, right. It's an, so it's yeah. an Iron Man three. It just it just happens at Christmas, <laughs> you know. But is it about Christmas? I mean, it's not about Christmas, but you know. All right. So, Joe, you have Just Friends in your possession. Will you trade it for Home Alone? Mm. 
home alone. The McAllisters are traveling for Christmas, and they leave Kevin home alone. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what are the iconic scenes that you remember from this movie? Dude, I remember everything from Home Alone. Uh, I love this movie. When he's when he wakes up, and he's like, <laughs> I made my family disappear. Like, when he does that, he goes shopping. Good one. Uh-huh. When he screams, when they almost hit him with the car, and it gets oh, real yes. close. Uh-huh. When he sleds down his stairs of his house, which looks so fun. When he does, of course, the the uh, rocking around the Christmas tree when they come and he's he's controlling the yeah all the people uh-huh. yeah the the shadow puppets, um, Kawhi style. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, you know, just and then of course, obviously at the end, all the all the traps and like. Everything that he that he hits him with, when his mom re- finally remembers what she forgot at home, it's Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, when they're tap- reunited at the end, that's that's yeah. I mean, when he taps the aftershave on his on his cheeks and he screams, and he screams. iconic, iconic, iconic scene. scene. Uh, and there's the whole story of like him and the neighbor. Yes. Yeah. Like yep. the scary neighbor the and. Yeah, and he's supposedly some kind of murderer or something. You know, and it's it's that it's that kind of mythological stuff you get into when you're a kid, and you know you're scared of like the neighbors and stuff like that, or the house on the street, and you know, and then they they understand each other at the end, and and keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also very good, and so many, you, so many. I, I, I didn't realize this. But that's a fake movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's not a real movie. I mean, I had no they, idea either way. Like, I don't know like what that is. <laughs> they, like, just made it. So, does it represent everything there is to be about a Christmas movie? I mean, his mom is traveling through nightmarish conditions, connections, and makes it home on Christmas to mm. see Kevin. And that moment when the Home Alone theme song comes on, and then she sees him. Yes. And he's decorating the tree. Da, na, 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 na. <laughs> John Williams. Da, na, na. Oh, it's so good. I know everybody just got chills. <laughs> it's John Williams. He does everything. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, do you trade just friends for Home Alone? I don't know. Just Friends is really good, though. It's probably Ryan Reynolds' greatest <laughs> performance. <laughs> no, Deadpool. I don't know. That I swear is it's pretty, pretty iconic. It's pretty good. Before Deadpool, this was probably his best role. <laughs> I don't know. Green Lantern was pretty good. Uh, no, yeah, I'll take Home Alone. This is pretty easy. Home Alone. Okay. All right. Good movie. Here's I another- and all of America listening take Home Alone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after you after you sang that song, because we don't have the rights <laughs> for it. <laughs> All right, next movie on the list that you can trade for, Love Actually. Mm. Everyone talks about Love Actually. Everyone says, oh my gosh, you haven't seen Love Actually. Mm. It's one of the most iconic romantic comedies. Mm. 
would you even call it a romantic comedy? Yeah, I guess so. Rom-com of its time. The movie centers around love stories that culminate around Christmas time. Right. Uh, what are the iconic scenes that you remember from this movie? You know what the first thing you said? Yes. Which is, oh my gosh, you haven't seen Love Actually. That's what people say to me all the time because <laughs> I actually have not seen this movie. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. 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 So – You've probably seen this though. Is the cue card scene, right? Everyone, everyone shows the cue card stuff. Nope. But oh, you haven't seen that. I haven't seen there's it. Like, there's like memes of that. So I've probably seen the meme, but I didn't understand it or something. Oh, uh, it's. But I, I hate that scene though. That scene. Oh, is, really? <laughs> that scene is the worst. That scene is the worst. I'm about to spoil it for you right now. But yeah, it's okay. I'm never gonna watch this. The. <laughs> the guy that's doing the cue cards where he's confessing his love to the girl, uh-huh. he's confessing to his best friend's wife that he loves her, uh-huh. that he'll love her forever, even though he can't be with her. What? What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, so the thing about love actually is that it's not about one story. It's about nine to ten different love stories in right. different stages in different phases right. um you know it's not as like sweet as you would think um you know some stuff deals with adultery you know mm-hmm. some stuff deals with death like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of different moving pieces around what love, love different angles actually mm. means uh, i see i see what you did there yeah yeah <laughs> I got you. And it centers around uh, kind of like gift giving and, you know, Christmas is about love, not about, you know, whatever, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I believe the writer of this movie uh, got the idea because he was watching people, all different types of people uh, coming out of the airport terminal. So when you come out of the airport terminal, like people are reuniting and they're so happy to see each other, but some people are fighting, some people are unhappy. Like so there's like all these different stories that are happening, all culminating around Christmas. So the right. end scene of that movie is all the story all the love stories. Um some people are waiting at the terminal and some people coming out of the terminal, you know. And they all have different stories. Joe, would you trade home alone for love actually? No. <laughs> Even after everything that I've told you. Yes, because one, you ruined one of the iconic Love Actually scenes for me. Thanks a lot, Cliff. I did. Uh, two, well, I, I feel like I've seen I've seen like bits and pieces of this movie because it's on all the time and stuff like that. It's on TV and stuff like that all the time. Um, I don't know why, but I th- I feel like this is the kind of thing like you watch when you're in college. Mm, interesting. You know, with your friends. When you're single and in college and, you know, you want to explore what love is actually about. I didn't try to use those words. I just say actually a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that's that's when it that that's when you watch it. Right. Like like that's the time I imagine a bunch of, you know, 20 year old girls getting together to watch this movie Three days before Christmas, uh, you know, enjoying it immensely. But uh, that's not my stage of life. I've never been in that stage of life. So I probably am not going to watch this movie. All right. 
So love actually goes on the wayside. Moving on, another choice. Jingle all the way. Mm. Christmas classic. It has jingle in the title, so you know it's about Christmas. <laughs> but why is it a Christmas movie? I mean, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger with Sinbad trying to get the perfect Christmas gift for their sons. Mm. What better iconic thing is there? Joe, what are some iconic scenes that you remember? What what are you what are your favorite iconic scenes for this movie? Uh, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting all the Santas is really good. <laughs> what are they trying to get again? A Turbo Man doll. Mm. Turbo Man. Mm. So, uh, you know, in the and in, in the end, he becomes Turbo Man accidentally because the guy that's playing Turbo Man, I believe, quits on the spot. <laughs> Um, what's intense though is that the guy that dresses up as Turbo Man actually has a flying jetpack in his like, like what? <laughs> and what's even crazier is that Sinbad becomes the villain dressed up character. <laughs> at the end. Also, FYI, Sinbad most underrated comic of all time. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, <laughs> this just makes me miss Sinbad. Sinbad, just really, really, really underrated. Just being instant. Not that he's he's not dead, right? <laughs> no. I just said that like he was gone. But, just yeah. he doesn't really do stuff anymore. But Arnold Schwarzenegger working too hard. He forgets that he is supposed to get his son a Turbo Man doll. His wife, you know, has been asking him to get it for for. Years and years, and he says, oh, it's at the office. I'll just go pick it up. And then he has a really wild and tumultuous and crazy day. You know, and does it represent everything about a Christmas movie? You know, it's all about making your kid happy and potentially relatable parental anxiety about fulfilling a kid's consumer needs. Mm. But it gets more and more and more devolved into the craziness because at some point most parents would just be like ah oh, sorry i didn't get it <laughs> right you, know, you gotta deal with it but he goes to extreme lengths yes to find this toy yes and goes into shadier and shader shadier underbellies of society to find it including yes. uh you know <laughs> stealing the toy yes from his neighbor under underrated is arnold schwarzenegger's Comedic, chops. comedic, yeah, his his comedy career, like it strong. Like, is his action movies more memorable or Kindergarten Cop? Kindergarten Cop's pretty good. Twins is Jingle pretty good. Uh, is he in what's that called? Junior, I think he's in. <laughs> I think he's in a Last Action Hero, which is kind of an action comedy, right? I mean, he's he does some pretty he does some pretty good comedic stuff. What's what's his all-time greatest action movies outside of Terminator series? Commando. Uh, very good. Uh, it's called Red Heat, I think. It's good. Uh, I don't even I don't I don't even know if those are the correct titles, but um, <laughs> I remember the movies, but I don't um I don't know what else what else did he do that was like I'm trying to think. I keep coming up with Stallone movies. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Rambo. Like Rambo's Rambo. coming to me. Like Over the Top is coming to me. Like Tango and Cash is coming to me. But none of those are Arnold movies. The Sixth, the sixth Day. 
The sixth day. No, the, no, come on. The bridge, the bridge is out. Oh, uh, Total Recall. Total Recall. Total Recall was great. True Lies. True Lies. I love True Lies. Predator. Yeah, of course. Predator. He was Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Freeze. <laughs> that was pretty much the worst casting of all time. When Patrick Stewart, real life Mr. Freeze, is right there. <laughs> Why would you get Arnold Schwarzenegger? What if we had Arnold as a uh, Professor X? <laughs> what if we got Arnold as Professor X? All of Patrick Stewart's roles. What if Arnold was Jean-Luc Picard? <laughs> Engage. <laughs> Magneto. <laughs> like what? What the heck? Like <laughs> cerebro. <laughs> I can feel the power. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be wow. <laughs> this is just a terrible casting. I mean, Patrick Stewart <laughs> as Mister Freeze would have been so amazing. Oh, dude, I, I, I like recasting Arnold Schwarzenegger in all, <laughs> in all of Patrick Stewart's roles. Oh man, uh, Logan! <laughs> Can you imagine, like, if he were the one in Logan? He's like this giant. <laughs> Logan has to like carry him around. Like Hugh Jackman has to like carry him around and stuff. <laughs> he can't use his legs. <laughs> He would, he would have been like this. He would look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he wouldn't be able to walk. And he would be like this like frail. <laughs> he's supposed to be this like frail old man. He's like, he's like yoked. I, I, I like pretend, thinking about Arnold when uh, Professor X is like, you know, has that mental like thing where he paralyzes everybody. Right. And Arnold's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, can you give me another take of that? Oh, oh sure. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. How can you not love Arnold? He's the greatest, dude. Oh man. He's the king. Oh man. Oh. So, Homeowner Jingle All the Way. Oh, Jingle All the Way. Ah! <laughs> Jingle All the Way, for sure. You know why? Why? Jingle All the Way is an investment. See, because I want Micah to understand the pain that parents go through. <laughs> Every time they have to get the gift they want. To provide for their children. Just to make their kids happy. The, thing, the lengths that they will go through. The people they will fight. The shady things that they will do. 
just to make their kid happy. And it works in both ways. If he gets a present he likes, he's going to be like, dang, dad. <laughs> I'm going to implant that into his brain subliminally in a not so an overly obvious way. But it's going to be like, dang, dad, that's what you did. You worked hard. You had to go out there and brave the streets of Target and <laughs> Walmart and whatever to fight so that I could get this toy. And hey, you know, if if one year for some reason, you know, I don't get the right toy. Like, do you know how hard it is to get that toy? <laughs> Let's watch Jingle all the way. <laughs> do you know what people have to go through? Is that what you wanted me to do, son? You wanted me to cross these moral lines? You know, fight Sinbad? Is that what you want? You could just say one year, I gave it to Sinbad. It's like, I let him win. You know what, son? There was this other dad. <laughs> and his son really wanted this toy, too. And, you know, I just just gave it to him. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. <laughs> All right, last movie. We're at the last movie. Elf. Oh, elf. 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 Why is it a Christmas movie? It's about an elf. <laughs> Santa's, <laughs> Santa's little helper. Joe, what are the iconic scenes from Elf that you remember? Mm, my favorite scene is like the snowball fight. Mm. <laughs> I love when they're just like it's all like playful. <laughs> they're like, yeah, snowball fight. <laughs> and then he just like pelts guys. <laughs> just starts chucking it. And he's got like auto auto arm, like when he's just like rapid firing. He hits that one kid running away, snipes him at the end. <laughs> Awesome. My my favorite scene is when he's so excited about Santa coming to the toy store, and, <laughs> and it's a fake Santa wearing a bird. He's like, "You sit on a throne of lies." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Buddy hugging a raccoon, Buddy sitting in the small chairs, and yes. you know Santa's <laughs> workshop. Him exploring New York City, going round and round and round in the. Uh, Turnstile, yeah, indoors. Um, telling the people that said they have the number one world's best coffee, like, congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> iconic, iconic scenes. It's a Christmas movie, but is it the iconic Christmas movie that you'd want to show Micah, Joe, Elf, or Jingle All the Way? Man. One has a purpose. Uh, one is pretty Christmassy. <laughs> Is Elf really that Christmassy? <laughs> is it, is revolve it even about Santa? Though? Does it revolve around Christmas? I mean, is it is it a Christmas movie or does it just take place during Christmas time? What is the message of Elf? <laughs> what is the message of Elf? The, the spirit of Christmas is going to conquer all things? Is that, is what, that it is? what it is? It's about faith and belief, right? you got to believe in something. you got to believe in Santa. No, I'm sticking with Jingle all the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I you did know, not I mean, think this is how it's going to turn out. <laughs> you know, guys, I mean, yeah, Elf. Sure. It's it's about Christmas. It's about Santa and an Elf and, you know, Zoe Deschanel's in it. and. But, you know, is that really what Christmas is about? Or is Christmas about honoring your parents? <laughs> 
and the hard work that they do and the things that they put up with to get that tree up, to get those presents under the tree. This is a PSA to all parents that are listening. <laughs> Think ahead. Think ahead before you show guys the movies that these kids are going to see. You got to invest. You know, <laughs> you can't just be thinking about making them happy. You can't just be thinking about what they're going to enjoy the most. Hey, man, if you don't look out for number one, who's gonna? <laughs> ROI. That's what it's all about. Return on investment. That's what parenting's all about, guys. That's the key to parenting right there. I just, I just gave it to you. <laughs> one last bonus. Jingle all the way. Or Die Hard. Oh, Die Hard for sure. <laughs> I think it's four, but I'm definitely going to show them Die Hard. I mean, that's just a given. Nakatomi building. Bruce Willis. This is when you find out don't don't step on glass. Uh, That's what you learn. Yeah, wear your shoes. There's a good investment right there, kids. <laughs> wear your shoes. We're going out. Put some socks on. Put your shoes on. Don't just run out of the house barefoot. Don't just run out of the house barefoot. You don't know what's going to happen. Terrence might have shot the glass out. <laughs> There might be glass all over the floor. You run out without your shoes, and what happens? Feet are all cut up. See, that's a movie with a message, with a <laughs> PSA, with the moral of the story. Also, also, save one bullet. <laughs> always. The last bad guy, he's always going to evade all the bullets, so you got to save one for the very end. You know, it's like these are key lessons that I have to teach my four-year-old. Like, this is very important for him to learn. More important, certainly, than some, some, some holiday spirit stuff. I mean, and also, this movie will be relevant the other 11 months because he will learn the sound effect for guns. And he'll be able to use it for his toys for the rest of the 11 months that come through. Right. It teaches you correct gun noises. <laughs> like, you got to learn. You got to learn how to do that. Like, if you can't do that, then, you know, you can't you can't be a good father and not know how to do that. And so you got to teach your kids that. Yeah, love actually doesn't teach you that. Love it doesn't teach you nothing. It teaches you how to love your best friend's wife. What is that all about? <laughs> not a good message. Where's the, what is the message there? Everyone's depressed leaving the airport? Is that the message? No, it's love, actually. <laughs> I'm sure that's in the movie. I'm sure that's probably the last <laughs> line of the movie. Love actually something. But you know, it's between Jingle All the Way and Die Hard for sure. I, I feel like it's stages, right? Jingle All the Way is good right now. But right. as they get older, it's not as relevant because you won't really have to buy them toys. Right. Right. They'll have to buy me toys. Where's the movie? <laughs> Where kids learn to buy toys for their parents. Where's that mm, movie? That's that's a good one. Let's leave it to the SBR listeners to tell us what is that movie that Joe is talking about where the kids honor the parents with their own toys because we've never grown up and I still want toys to this very day. <laughs> I want toys too. <laughs> All right. That was Christmas movie for Micah. We'll be back with our two for road after this. All right, and we're back. Two for the road. I'm going to start with my one for the road. If you didn't know, Daniel Craig is back as James Bond in No Time to Die. 
Mm. The teaser just dropped. It will be his fifth movie as James Bond and his 14th year as James Bond. Wow. Which is too long. <laughs> it is... I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't realize it's been that long. Yeah, it's, it's been too, too long. Because uh, it'll be 2020 when, uh, what's it called? No Time to Die will come out. And 2006 is when he was first Bond in Casino Royale. He'll be 51 years old. It, it's too long. You're you're Bond for too long, and as much as I li- I do like Daniel Craig as Bond, I still don't think he's the best Bond, but you know a rugged type. But uh, for context, Pierce Brosnan was in four movies for only seven years as Bond. Mm. Roger Moore was in seven movies for twelve years as Bond. Sean Connery was in seven movies and twenty one years, but there was kind of a break because. There was a 16-year stretch where two other people made movies as James Bond. <laughs> so it's like not really linear in that manner. Right. So I believe, like Daniel Craig said, uh, Spectre was supposed to be his last one. But then he signed on for this one, which is actually a little disappointing in my opinion. Yeah. I think there are, are a lot of good candidates for the new Bond. And uh, I think four seems like the right number. To leave you kind of wanting more. You've you've always said this to me because I like to milk things to the very end. Uh, <laughs> right. Leave them wanting more. Always right. leave them wanting more. And so yes. that's I, – I feel like he – Daniel Craig has missed that. And now mm-hmm. it's like bordering the end. So I'd like to give my recommendations for the next James Bond. Mm-hmm. So what does James Bond need? What are the attributes he needs? One, he needs – a British accent, of course, mm. a good one, preferably native speaking British person. It's just natural because I don't really love when Americans act in British accents. I don't think it's as good as British people acting in American accents. Right. Uh, you got to look incredibly handsome in a tuxedo. Mm. You got to have immense charm and charisma and you have to be insanely accurate with a PP7 gun. These are that's all you need. That's all mm. you need is James Bond. To me, there is a clear number one contender for the next James Bond, and that's Idris Elba. Yes. 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 <laughs> it is absolutely clear that he should be the next James Bond. Not only is he charming, he's charismatic, British accent. He's he's from Britain. Good looking, handsome guy. And we've seen him wield guns in Luther and other places. So he he could do it. He was in Fast and Furious. He's done action sequences too. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I think he's the number one contender. I have a dark horse for you who I really like. Up and coming, Henry Golding. Oh, interesting choice. Another one with a good British accent. Handsome in a tuxedo. Charming and charismatic. I don't know what he's like with a PP7. I don't know what he's like in a spy sp- spy scenario when he has to be serious because everything he's done is just charm. Charm, 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 which is a very important quality for James Bond as shown by Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I think he'll be a Pierce Brosnan type of James mm. Bond. And other ones that are potentials are Tom Hiddleston, mm, mm. Michael Fassbender, and Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy, always Tom a villain. Hardy. Always a villain, but very good actor. Can he pull it off? Maybe. Uh, I think I think the potential ones are all a little flawed to me. Mm. 
I think Idris Elba, there is no flaw. He is he can be James Bond today. Uh why not him? I don't know why. He should have done No Time to Die. Honestly, in my my opinion. Yeah, I mean I think I mean, I agree. I think those last three guys... I like Elba and actually Henry Golding a lot more than the last three. Yeah, the last three guys Fassbender and Hardy, yeah. Because Hardy now... You know what's funny is that he plays more that type of character in Inception Mm. when he's Eames, you know, and he kind of has this... It's kind of a cool, you know, like... But then the funny thing is, after he played Bane, I can't see him as anything else <laughs> than like a villain or like a venom. Yeah, like a ripped, like like just that kind of guy. For some reason, I don't know what happened, but now I can't see him as kind of the cool. What was the uh, movie in the desert? Mad Max. Oh, Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, those those roles aren't like the cool role. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I agree. <clears throat> I I think. He has, he has everything except, to me, the believable James Bond charm. Or like, not charm, maybe it's charisma. I mean, I think he has the charm. I don't think he has the cool... Yeah, the uh, charisma. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. It is something like along those lines. Because I, yeah. I do think he's very like likable but i don't know yeah. if he has the presence maybe yeah it's the presence right it's it's kind of like the barack obama factor right he, right you right. Just, just like him like he he's just good to be around without even doing anything right like when he walks into a room i don't know if he like i get that feeling from him you yeah, know the draw yeah and then fassbender i think he is i don't know if he's likable enough too serious yeah because it's kind of unlikable, like in his like he's likable if you're not supposed to like him. He's compelling, right? Like I, I like him as Magneto, but, but only in like a sympathetic way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, he's like this tortured person, you know. And like in that way, I feel sympathy for him. I like him in that way. But if he was like the main protagonist, I don't think like I would feel like that about him. You know, I'd be like, oh. Ugh, I don't like this guy. He's too like almost like greasy. Like he's almost kind of like he seems mm-hmm. bad, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't like that. And then I I don't know Tom Hiddleston to me. I don't know if he could do the action. Mm. I don't know if he could handle the. I can't imagine him like Daniel Craiging somebody, you know, like just like <laughs> yeah. pounding them. He's a little too like, scrawny. Yeah, he's a little small. So those are the reasons. Yeah, it's and a I, double I, though. I totally imagine it. I could see it. Yeah. It, uh, why not? The only like, you got to just ask him. Yeah, <laughs> he could do it. Yeah. He'll do it. He did Fast and Furious. He'll do James Bond. <laughs> he's a little old though now, right? Well, he's forty-seven. He? He's forty-seven. Oh, he's, getting, he's getting up there a little bit, yeah. But you, you know what they say: black doesn't crack. <laughs> <laughs> On that I, note, <laughs> dude, if Samuel L. Jackson could do everything that he's doing. Idris Elba can be James Bond. That's true. He's like in his 60s? How old is he? He's like 67. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Wait, how old, how old is Samuel? He's 70. He oh just turned seven. He's turning 71 this year. <laughs> Holy moly. That is insane. And he's still like Nick Fury? What the heck? Yeah. Look, it's fine. Idris Elba, he could do it. But if not Idris Elba, Henry Golding. I like Henry Golding too, yeah. I could, I could see him kind of doing that. 
So I, I love James Bond. I'll probably still watch No Time to Die, but not loving the pick to go back to Daniel Craig. Mm. Okay, Joe, what is your one for the road? Uh, so this week I actually started watching uh, Watchmen. The TV on show? HBO, yeah, Watchmen, the TV show, the TV show on HBO. So uh, it's a Damon Lindelof show. I don't know. If oh, you Damon! Yeah, I, don't know if, I don't know if you knew about it, but uh, it's based on the comic, the graphic novel, not the movie, and so it goes back to the source material. And that it, it's supposed to be, I guess, after even the time actually is not really like not super clear when, when it is actually taking place but it's after the events of the movie and based on that timeline so everything that happened i'm sorry it's after the events of the graphic novel based on that timeline so everything that happened in the graphic novel and it kind of follows it um it's a pretty good show it's uh, so far i'm only like a couple episodes in it's definitely interesting it's compelling i like what lindelof is like doing with it but actually the reason i'm bringing it up is because um in the first episode uh, one of the the events, so it goes back. It's like a flashback, and it actually talks about um, uh, the the Tulsa massacre. And so it's actually, do you know what this is? No. So in 1921, there was this uh, place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. It was in the neighborhood of Greenwood, mm-hmm. and um, this was like an affluent, you know, black community. Not affluent, but like they were they were doing very well, and it became known as like Black Wall Street. But um, there was this basically this is one of the worst race riots in history in 1921. Um, you know, like white supremacists come and they basically just terrorize the town. I think they killed as many as 300 black Tulsans. They left oh, wow. thousands homeless. They ransacked an entire neighborhood. Like in the show, I think it I think it's over dramatized because. Uh, so one of the things about this event, this is an actual historical event, um, which I was like vaguely familiar with and I knew what it was when I saw it, but it's actually been covered up after the fact it was like covered up a lot by, you know, whatever media government. And, um, you know, in the show though, they're like dropping bombs and stuff. I don't know if that actually happened, but um, obviously this is a, it's a horrific event, but it's one of those things where you got to just, no, it's part of our history. It's something that people should know and learn. This isn't like one of the things you learn in school, right? Obviously. And it's one of those things that the black community is a lot more familiar with than other communities are familiar with. And um, I'm just bringing it up because I-, I like when media does stuff like this. You know, so it's kind of just like a credit to Damon Lindelof. It's a credit to this show that they bring some of those things into the light, even though. Yeah, is it exact? I mean, obviously it's a dramatization, and obviously there are characters in the show that are fictional, so they weren't actually there. But um, you know, when they bring attention to it, then you know, especially in today's society, what people do and what we did is you Google it, right? You look it up, and then you try to find out real information about it. The Atlantic actually had a, a good piece about it um, after the episode aired, and so I think that's a great use of media. You know, so just kind of like this is just like a kudos to them, but um, also the Watchmen, interesting show. <laughs> like a couple of episodes in, action is brutal. Kind of how the Watchmen is. Uh, Regina King, she's great in it. Jeremy Irons is in it. Don Johnson's in it. Uh, Lou Gossett oh, Jr. is in it. Oh. Yeah, Regina King. 
Luke Gossett Jr. is in it, which is crazy. That dude's old too. And I totally like I think about Iron Eagle <laughs> and like Firewalker, like these old movies I used to watch when I was little. And so um yeah, interesting show. I'm 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 into it right now. So recommendation if anyone needs something to watch. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is pretty old. Greatest <laughs> greatest cartoon villain of all time. <laughs> Scar. Oh yes. Oh man. Jeremy Irons a Scar is like classic. It's just Yeah, just a, you know just a musical number. Just <laughs> a villain's <laughs> musical number. That is just awesome. All right, everyone. That was the episode. So, <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. I couldn't. What I couldn't find. I couldn't take, find the outro. Take it, take uh, it uh, as much as I, as like we've done this, we're about to hit our one year anniversary, folks. We're about to hit one year that we've been doing the pod. I've been doing the outro for basically ten months the exact same way and I still haven't memorized it <laughs> I still need the script so happy anniversary us that's the kind of content you get here on SBR <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to the people's pod subscribe like comment share rate five stars we'll be back next week with more nonsense this is SBR with Cliff and Joe peace he found it guys he found the script read the script <laughs> Just say it. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs>